0: I know you have lots of questions. If you think that you've developed symptoms. Should I avoid large public gatherings? Whether schools should be closed. Welcome to Common Sense. Here we address your questions about COVID-19 with interviews featuring experts in medicine and leaders in community, public, and global health. Here's your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. Welcome to the podcast COVID-19, Common Sense Conversations on the Coronavirus Pandemic. Today is March 28th, 2020. We're going to talk about the current state of vaccine development as well as the medications being evaluated for the treatment of COVID-19. And this is all changing very, very rapidly and research is being released on an almost daily basis, so it's important to know the date that this is being recorded. I want to let you know that the discussion may be a bit technical at times, but the goal here is really to let you know about all of the medications That are being evaluated so that you know what's going on in both the clinical and research environments. So, first, let's talk a bit about the vaccines that are being developed and the potential timeline for when these vaccines might be available. There are only three companies currently in phase one clinical trials as of today. Phase one is the first step in testing a new vaccine in humans. In phase one, 20 to 100 healthy volunteers. Are administered the vaccine to determine if the vaccine is safe, if it works, if there are any serious side effects, and how the size of the dose is related to side effects. There are at least 10 companies in preclinical testing, which is prior to phase one. It seems that all three companies in the phase one trials right now are using a similar type of vaccine. On March 16, 2020, or just 12 days ago, The first clinical vaccine trial was started in Seattle, Washington. This vaccine is being developed by a company called Moderna, who reports that a commercially available vaccine will not be available for an estimated 12 to 18 months. The National Institutes of Health, or NIH, just opened another clinical trial site yesterday for the same clinical trial and will be evaluating the vaccine in Atlanta, Georgia. Another company called CanSino Biologics is currently recruiting healthy volunteers to test its coronavirus vaccine. The University of Oxford in England is also currently recruiting healthy volunteers to test its coronavirus vaccine. So the bottom line is there's a lot going on in the areas of vaccine research and development, but we are likely 12 plus months away from having a commercially available vaccine. So now let's talk about medications that might work in treating severe COVID-19 infections, medications that have been evaluated and have not worked, and medications that are showing some promise. The first medication that we're going to discuss you may have heard about in the news, and it's called Remdesivir. This is an antiviral medication that was originally developed for the Ebola Marburg virus. The maker began testing it for COVID-19 because it was shown to be effective against SARS in 2003 and MERS in 2012, though this was in animal studies. Remdesivir is one of four drug regimens in a very large trial that is currently being conducted called the Solidarity Trial. This is being run by the World Health Organization to evaluate medications that are showing some initial promise in treating COVID-19 infections. Though remdesivir is getting a lot of attention, there's only been one case in the United States showing a response that has been reported in the medical literature. There are also two large clinical trials being done in China, and both have an end date in April, so we should have some additional information about this soon. On March 20th, University Hospital in Akron, Ohio, stated that they were also running two clinical trials with remdesivir. So again, more information is coming down the pipe. The next medication that we're going to discuss is chloroquine, which is also showing up in the news. This is an anti-malarial treatment that is thought to have antiviral effects. It was originally pursued as a potential treatment because it was shown to have antiviral activity against the original SARS virus that we saw back in 2003. In laboratory studies, chloroquine has been shown to block virus entry into cells. Preliminary clinical data from China is reporting that chloroquine was more effective than control treatments in treating pneumonia associated with COVID-19 infection, improving lung imaging findings promoting resolution of the viral infection, and shortening the length of the disease course in over 100 patients. On March 24th, Governor Cuomo of New York reported that clinical trials were being started to evaluate chloroquine. The next medication we're going to discuss is hydroxychloroquine, which is similar to chloroquine. It's another antimalarial drug with the same mechanism of action as chloroquine. In vitro, which means in the lab, studies have shown that it has more potent effects than chloroquine does. Unfortunately, clinical trials have been somewhat disappointing so far. One study reported that there was a reduction in viral load, which is the amount of virus in the body, but this study was later criticized for the way the study was performed. And it was also a very small study and about a quarter of all the patients in the trial actually dropped out of the trial. There was a Chinese trial that found no positive effects when using 400 milligrams per day. So even though hydroxychloroquine is getting a lot of attention, it's not been shown in studies to be particularly effective. Science! 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 science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual, all to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts, the Mad Scientist Podcast. The next medication that we'll talk about is a combination of ritonavir and lopinavir that goes by the trade name Kalitra. This is a medication combination that has been used for HIV infection. This combination of medications has been pursued as a potential COVID-19 treatment because it was previously shown to be effective against SARS and MERS, which were the previous novel coronavirus infections in 2003 and 2012. In a trial of 199 patients, Unfortunately, this medication combination did not show that it helped with clinical improvement or mortality. There is another combination, which is this previous combination, ritonavir and lopinavir, plus another medication called interferon beta that is being evaluated in the World Health Organization's large solidarity trial. So we should have some additional information about that as that trial is conducted. Another medication that is being evaluated is called tocilizumab, and this is a humanized monoclonal antibody against interleukin-6, which is a substance called a cytokine that participates in the body's inflammatory response. It has been reported to be effective in six total cases in Italy so far. And on March 24th, the FDA approved a Phase three clinical trial that is scheduled to start as early as April to evaluate its effectiveness in treating COVID-19. A couple of other medications that we'll talk about very briefly. The first is nitazoxanide, which is a medication that's used to treat protozoal infections, but has been shown to have antiviral properties against many viruses, including coronaviruses. So this one will get some more attention in studies going forward. Another antiviral medication called Favipiravir that in clinical trials in China reportedly showed pretty good clinical efficacy or effectiveness against COVID-19. In this trial in China of 340 patients, Patients actually turned virus negative after an average of four days compared with 11 days for those not receiving treatments. And x-rays confirmed improvement in 91% of patients who were given Favipiravir compared to 62% in the control group who did not get this medication. It should be noted that this study had some limitations, though, and can't be relied upon completely because it was not a randomized, strong clinical trial as we would like to see. Another medication getting some attention is one called tycoplanin, which is an antibiotic that's normally used for bacterial infections, but has been shown to be effective against various viruses, most notably MERS and the original SARS virus. In the laboratory setting, it has been shown to block entry of COVID-19 virus into cells. And the final potential treatment that's worth discussing is the idea of convalescent serum. And the idea here is to take serum or blood from a patient who has been infected with COVID-19 and has recovered, and give this to somebody who's suffering from a severe infection with COVID-19 with the ideas that the antibodies in the serum can help the body fight off the infection. A recent case series was published in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, in which five critically ill patients were treated with convalescent serum from patients who had recovered from COVID-19. All five of these patients were on mechanical ventilators at the time of administration, and four of the five were able to be taken off the ventilators at nine days after administration of convalescent serum. It's worth noting that this is a case series in which cases are described and not an actual clinical trial, so there are a lot of limitations in interpreting this information but the authors of the case series feel that this information warrants further clinical trials. The FDA has recently approved convalescent serum of single-patient emergency investigational new drug applications so that this can be evaluated in more detail. Governor Cuomo announced that New York would begin trying the treatment. And we do have previous experience with convalescent serum in other settings, such as the previous SARS and MERS infections. So this is a, an area that's definitely worth more research. So that's where we are as of March 28th in terms of vaccine development and evaluation of medications and other treatments like convalescent serum. We'll be touching on this topic again in future weekend updates as more studies and data are available and as more medications uh, are tried in patients with serious COVID-19 infections. I once again want to thank Pranay Bonagiri from the Toro University School of Medicine for his amazing work in helping to do the research behind this weekend update. So thank you very much, Pranay. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. If you have questions about COVID-19 that you'd like discussed on the podcast, send an email to info at arslanga.media. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Be vigilant, but remain calm. Ars longa, vita brevis.